Hi, my name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of PM International or Prager Medicine International. We're a global advisor and accounting firm. I want to thank our sponsor, NJBIA, and today we are inside the C-suite, the journey, and I am joined by members of our own C-suite, Diane Walsh, our Chief Marketing Officer, Kajit Singh, our Chief Information Officer, and Sheila Kerman, our Chief Human Resource Officer. Thanks for joining me, folks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Well, you're welcome. This is kind of exciting. I don't really get to sit down and uh, just, just chew the fat, so so to speak. So that's what we're going to try to do. And just to kick it off and get things going, I, I thought I'd ask a, a quick question of each one of you and sort of get a response. And I was wondering, what was was being in the C-suite always a goal in, in, as you as individuals, or when did it become a goal? You want to kick it off, Diane? Yeah, um, it wasn't always a goal because there wasn't always a C-suite for marketing and accounting. Um, I think I was maybe about 10 years into my career when that first became a, a position. Um, for a while, uh, accounting firms were trying to make uh, marketers partners, um, and then they realized that didn't necessarily align with the goals um, that were set for partners, so they had to create this position for them. Okay. and. Growing up, to really go back. Um, Growing up, really going back. And I think you know this because I yeah. mentioned this before. Marketing wasn't uh, legal in in professional services firms until the late 80s. So when I was growing up, it literally wasn't a job. <laughs> it didn't exist at that point. So I could have never yeah. grown up dreaming of being a marketer in a professional services firm because it, it wasn't legal. Okay. That's very interesting. When I was growing up, Beal hadn't been invented, so, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, there um, you go. So, Sheila, how about you? You know, looking back, and uh, if we were going to go back to the beginning and thinking about what I wanted to do when I grew up, it never was a chief human resources officer. To Diane's point, I probably didn't think it existed back then. Um, but going to undergrad, I decided that I wanted to be a psychology major. And at one point thought psychiatry or social work was something that was on the horizon for me. And as I was going through my education in undergrad, I realized that I was much more attracted to the organizational behavior and group dynamic psychology courses. And that was when HR was really becoming more than the historical personnel. So I think my timing was actually quite perfect in getting more interested in the human resources path. And I have to say, I'm so lucky that the timing did work out because I truly love human resources as a career. And I do think that it does take a lot of psychology to, to be successful in the role. And Glenn, you know, I grew up in a larger organization where being the CHRO was uh, long distance away, not necessarily because of talent, but because of the large population of people who were, you know, interested in the role and coming into a CHRO role um, has been terrific because it really does the scope of what I'm able to do and, and do with all of you um, is different every day and it's energizing. And for everybody that works uh, with Sheila, now you know why she's analyzing everything you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's her background. She can't get away from it. So, Gajit, how about 
Glenn, I've had an interesting uh, start to this uh, career. You know, when I first graduated from college, I wasn't thinking about accounting. I wasn't thinking about too much on the uh, management side. My background was mostly, initially it was aviation. So I, I started out in the School of Aeronautics and learning about aerodynamics, uh, mechanics, just understanding weight and balance, physics. That, 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 those were my interests in high school. Uh, a year into that curriculum, I don't know what happened. What Maybe I had a dream. I, I don't know if I had a nightmare. I don't know what, what happened. But ultimately, I decided that, you know, I'm, I'm going to pursue a career in technology. This is around 2007, 8. And fast forward, I ended up landing an internship with the, uh, the former Prager Fenton, which uh, just started to, you know, gauge more interest as far as applications, working with users, being in the corporate environment. You know, it kind of accelerated my, uh, my involvement as a young adult into this professional career. And the ride's been pretty awesome. I think um, seeing the firm grow, seeing all the evolution from where we started back in 2012 to you know, what we, we have become in the last 10 years, it's been phenomenal. Uh, I, I did not think about the C-suite. I didn't think about becoming a CIO. Uh, you know, my job was really to understand how do I put the firm in the position to succeed, to, to scale and operate at the highest level. So, no, I, it was never a thought. Uh, C-suite, being part of this group was never a thought. I'm just very happy and privileged that I was included. Interesting. So, you all sort of mentioned college a little bit. You know, we never really, I've never really talked to anybody about how important an education is. Um, in any of these podcasts, and and I hope that some younger people do listen to <clears throat> to this podcast. So, can you all tell me how important an education was or going to college to to where you are today? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, I actually have a degree in communications in radio, television, film, which was always really interesting because, like Sheila, it was a lot of psychology, and it was a lot of determining how people perceive something and how what you, the messaging you put out there and the communications you have, what their perception is and how um, that affects them and how that makes them feel. So it's something that you really take with you, especially in this marketing role uh, throughout your career is, is how what you're saying and what you're communicating to the world, how they're receiving it. So mm -hmm. it's, it was absolutely vital to, to everything that I do. Sheila? You know, you look back, it's interesting that we're talking about the college years because I do think right now there's a lot of pressure on, you know, 18-year-olds to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their mm -hmm. life. And that's a very big question. And I think a big part of your education is to make sure you understand, you know, the nuts and bolts of how to get things done. But even more importantly, the broader aspect of what you're being exposed to in your education is understanding your strengths and how you can make an impact on a broader community. And that piece that's not quite part of the classroom, but is part of that broader experience is invaluable. Yeah, just to add on to that, um, you know, my family and I, we, we migrated to the United States in, in the early 90s. And, you know, being the first generation here, it was a lot of figure it out, right? It, was, it wasn't so much, you know, this is the example, this, this is what you have to follow. It was almost just go to school and obtain some level of education to, you know, better your life, to change your life, to have an opportunity. 
I think education is important, Glenn. I think it allows you to network, it allows you to expand your horizons, it, it allows you to, you know, focus on a subject to be able to take the next step. Um, I think without it, um, you know, I don't think I, I, I get to where I am today. I think it's it's the uh, the pillar that has enabled me to become, you know, a successful person in, in what I'm doing today. I think it's it's critical. Ultimately, so, at the end of the day, we, yeah, we talk that about it. Yeah. I didn't know that going to parties at night was real networking back in college. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, <laughs> yes. I was networking, Mom. You know? <laughs> well, think about your life. How many times have you reached out to someone you went to college with for possibly a job reference or, or an opening in their company in your 20s? It happens a lot. Or just their perspective on a problem. I mean, right, think yeah. about how many times we sit around and say, we're really ultimately problem solvers in our role mm -hmm. and, you know, planning for the future. And much of the foundation for thinking through how you solve a problem happens in those years when you've really launched from your core family life into your broader education. And I think even though we don't realize we're using those tools on a daily basis, I think we truly are. It's all about relationship building, right? Yeah. So yesterday, Absolutely. Um, we may have a speaker at our upcoming summit, um, which is somebody I, I've had a relationship with for 50 years. And uh, I only speak to her maybe once every 10 years. And we were speaking yesterday and I, on Zoom, and I was actually thinking the last time I saw her, there was no Zoom. Mm. Might have been Skype, maybe, but there certainly was no. Uh, it's really um, people, you know, those those relationships that you you make throughout your life are building blocks, and and you never know where you connect again. So let me ask you this about the C-suite. What's the one thing surprised you the most once you got inside the C-suite, besides the fact that I'm I'm flying without a parachute to use Kajitsa? No, what yeah, surprised you? The most. Diane? You know, I think it's one of those things that not when you're not in the C-suite and you're coming up in your career, you think, oh, they everybody has it all figured out. They have everything figured out. And I think it's a very humbling and and real lesson to know that you're we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always learning. We're always learning from our mistakes and, and growing and hopefully improving the next time. So I think that was the biggest lesson was, you know, it never, it never stops improving. It never stops growing. It never, you never stop making mistakes and, and improving from those mistakes. What are, you, are you trying to tell me something? No, no, no. <laughs> yes. We have to talk after this. Okay, Sheila, how about you? What did you learn? What surprised you? It's a great question. Um, I would say, I think, Maybe how quickly we are required to shift from strategy to execution, back to strategy, and then somewhere in between. We've learned that as we're growing in our careers, but the speed in which you have to do it in these roles is very, very quick. And I think that's probably, the, this, the speed of that switch is probably the biggest surprise to me. Well, that's interesting. How about you, Gushit? Well, I think it's the education and the, and the recognition. You know, I think once you get into this uh, this circle here, you know, you start to get recognized uh, not only internally but externally. You know, it, it it places an emphasis where now you're a critical part of the organization, a decision maker, uh, policy maker in, in some way to build that level of strategy within the organization. 
and have influence on, on, on not just your team, but again, across the board. I think that level of recognition just starts to, you know, feel in uh, after a while. And I think uh, that, that's been the biggest thing. It's, it's really the, the internal and the external recognition and the appreciation aspect of it. Okay, so now for all of you, because, you know, we're sitting in little boxes here and everybody seems separate. But what I know about the C-suite is it's a, it's a team, right? So how important is each one of these components to the whole? Diane? Oh, I think it's it's critical. You know, I don't I don't think we could operate as um, you know solo solo pawns or solo pegs, and I don't think, uh, and I think the relationship amongst the C-suite is critical, because I think you know when when anything happens, it it's critical that I can call Sheila, that I can call Gurjeet, um, that I can call our CFO and say, hey, work with me on this, or let's work this out, or figure out a solution for this. Um, so I think the relationship is is very interdependent, and I think it's critical for the organization to run. Sure. Really, to expand on what Diane's saying, really all of our roles are meant to be in the best interest of the broader firm. And so there's no way that we can't interact with each other to say, although we have a different primary focus, our ultimate focus is the benefit of the firm and all of its team members. And we're in constant conversation, whether or not, and, and oftentimes in multiple forms of media. <laughs> we still use Skype on our phones and texts. And, but, and to Diane's point too, we really enjoy it. I think the, yeah. the part of our roles that interacts with a different perspective, uh, you know, across our team it is really quite enjoyable. I, we think we might have had something figured out on the people front and I'll reach out to Diane and say, this is what I'm thinking. And she'll say, don't forget about this. You know, or how do, how do we implement that in the metaverse? You know, something that gives a different facet to what we're thinking through. And it's, it's a, a terrific, constant conversation. Does Virginia add anything to this team? I think, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, what's the saying? Uh, team makes the dream work. So, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I, I think we're very lucky, Glenn. The chemistry between the, each of these pillars, each of these departments that we have within the organization, you know, it works. I think there's a level of respect and mutual understanding of discomfort. You know, we, we can seek advice. We can implement ideas. We can collaborate. You know, I, there's no friction, and I think that's that's been a uh, a great addition to this uh, this implementation here. That's great to hear. Uh, so I have one final question for all of you. For uh, for some of the younger people um, out there, what advice would you give to a young person that wants to achieve or work towards entering the C-suite? Diane, be open. Be open because you don't know when something is going to push you out of your comfort zone, and that thing that pushes you out of your comfort zone is going to be what sets you apart. Um, so I think be open to opportunities, be open to new projects, um, be open to learning skills that you didn't have before. Sure. First thing that came to mind is don't underestimate your skill set. Um, and it was referred to earlier that a lot of learning happens through risk and trial and error, and it doesn't always work out. And I think sometimes when you underestimate yourself, you stay in your comfort zone. And when you give yourself permission to kind of go a little bit further, 
and say, I might not be 100% there, but I'm 80% there and I can go on my gut for the rest of the 20, you'll surprise yourself. And that's a good place where a lot of learning happens. Yep. Just to add to that, um, you know, th there are no shortcuts, Glenn. You know, I think it's it's all about the, the journey and not really the quick wins. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the best career advice that I give out to even my team members is persistence. You know, you have to remain dedicated. Good things will happen as long as you you, you remain consistent with, with, with your trade, right? It's not stopping to learn. It's continuing improving yourself. And, you know, when the opportunity comes, it's it's going to come at large. I think it's just about being consistent, being persistent, and stay, staying dedicated. I was just having this conversation with my son. He, you know, moved up a level in swimming, and he came home from practice and Yay. said, it's really hard. And I said, it's supposed to be hard. If you went to practice every day and you could accomplish every one of those practices with, you know, no sweat or breathing heavy, then you wouldn't have extended yourself. Right? It's supposed to be hard some days. Mm -hmm. You figure it out. Well, you guys gave great advice. I have to tell you, and all I want to do is use an old expression that never gets old, and that's called fail forward. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know if on this podcast has learned anything from success. I think we've all learned it through, uh, through the mistakes we've made. And that's a, a common theme in every podcast that I've done. And uh, I really want to thank you all for joining me. Frankly, we don't get to sit down together in person much anymore. And when I do speak to you, it's usually one-on-one. -on -one. So this has been a pleasure. I want to thank NJBIA, and I want to thank you all for joining us inside the C-Suite, the journey. Thank you.